Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Manifesting Brilliance, Living Your Authentic Life podcast. My name is Jerome Imhoff, and I am pleased and honored to welcome you to this conversation today. Today is a special uh, podcast because we have our first ever uh, guest on the podcast, and I will be introducing Shane Braverman just in just a minute um, to give just some historical context um, around where we are today as I'm recording this. Um, it's August 6th. Uh, we're still in the midst of this global pandemic. Um, the United States seems to be leading the way, sadly, in numbers of cases and deaths. We've had more than 150,000 deaths to coronavirus. So wherever you are um, in your life at this time listening, um, I just send out my love and light and lots of healing and um, just deep peace because these are certainly trying times. Um, if you've listened to the podcast in the, in the past, you know that we uh, record from, I record from my home in Palm Springs. So uh, it's not um, super high tech. It's, it's very grassroots. So you might hear the sounds of my neighborhood earlier today. There was somebody out uh, doing yard work. So if you hear any background noises, um, please forgive those. Um, and just hopefully the content we're offering um, on today's call uh, will be of value to you. Just to sort of give you a, a little bit of an idea of what the topic is, if you are a listener of this podcast, it's probably uh, easy to say or safe to say that you are somebody who is interested in spiritual, um, your spirituality, personal development, and the human potential movement. And if that's the case, you've probably heard about inner child work. We've all t uh, been aware of uh, the need to heal our inner child. So Shane Braverman's work is actually around healing your inner teenager. So we'll be talking about that in just a moment. Um, so that's just a sneak peek. Before we get started, though, as always, it would be great if we could just ground ourselves. So if it's safe for you to do so, I invite you to close your eyes. And put your right hand over your heart, your left hand over your right hand. And just take a deep breath in. And on the exhale, just release anything that might be troubling you today, any, any worries, any anxiety, and just allow yourself to be present in this moment. And another deep breath in. And just settle into your chair. We see in the middle of our minds a little ball of golden light. We watch this light as it grows larger and larger. Until now, it fills the entire inner vision of our minds. We see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. We see a garden that surrounds the temple and a body of water which flows through the garden. We notice that the inside of this temple is lit as well with the same beautiful golden light. And here we are. For we have been called by the power and into the presence of God. We devote our time spent today, all of our relationships, the work we do, our thoughts to God. We ask that God's Holy Spirit should uplift us beyond all fear, all doubt, all anxiety, all brokenness. We ask that God would lift us 
from all of those things to the peace and wholeness that lay beyond. And so it is together we all say amen. Okay, so uh, welcoming Shane Braverman to the podcast and uh, just a little story. So uh, serendipitously, Shane and I were on uh, the same uh, really intensive three-day retreat with uh, spiritual teacher and coach Felicia Searcy. And as uh, fate would have it or as serendipity would have it, uh, I think it was the first breakout session, Shane and I were paired together and, and uh, had an opportunity to talk about the work we each do. And she mentioned the work that she's doing around uh, working with people and their inner teenager. And I was immediately fascinated and said, okay, Shane, I record this podcast and I'd love to have you be on as a guest. So welcome to the podcast, Shane. And um, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. This is very exciting. (laughs) I'm excited to have you. So um, just let's dig kind of right in. Um, I was looking at your website and um, so if you if you visit Shane's website um, and give them the, the website address just so I don't get it wrong. Yeah, it's Shane, S-H-A-N-E-L, like love, and braver man, like braver than any man, dot com. Great. So Shane, <laughs> L, braver man, dot com. And uh, so the, the, um, the opening text on the, on the website are these really powerful questions. And so I wrote them down in my notebook. Um, and the first one is, do you wonder what life would have been like if you weren't bullied as a preteen or teenager? How would you be different if you weren't made fun of for your clothes, your voice, acne, or other circumstances that were out of your control? And I have to tell you, as I read that one, something inside me just sort of, whew, like, have like a, a flutter of anxiety because I, I can relate. Um, and then what would your life look like now if you had all the loving support you needed from the adults in your life? And I think those are questions that are really uh, powerful to think about. And Shane, it seems like that's the work you do with, with your clients. So um, could you just give us a brief overview of what you do? Sure. So basically as preteens and teenagers, the work that we're trying to do in the moment when we're in the middle of our adolescence is like figuring out who we are and trying on all these different, you know, personalities and um, style expression and creative expression and all these different things where we end up feeling judged or made fun of for all the things that are, we're trying to figure out that are truly us, like, like figure out who we are. So the work that I do is that I help people to kind of time travel in a really fun way and heal from those experiences that sort of had a negative butterfly effect on them. So I call it kind of redirecting your butterfly effect because when you heal from those experiences, the healing kind of ripples out like a butterfly effect and affects you positively in your adult life. And it just changes everything. Like you have access to the amazing creativity of your inner teenager. You have more confidence. A huge part of this is self-esteem and self-confidence. And it just changes all of your relationships, your relationship with your work, 
you know, what it is that you do, um, mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. So how did you uh, start doing this work? How did you arrive at this in your, in your own um, career path? How, how did you decide that this was what you wanted to do? In kind of a roundabout way. Um, I have been doing inner transformation work for 24 years now. And it didn't really occur to me that it was something that I would be teaching others how to do. And I have been a middle school and high school teacher for, well, maybe 10 or 15 years. I don't remember how long, but um, one of my favorite things to do as a middle school teacher in particular was to create a safe space for my students to be able to explore who they are and how they want to be and how they see themselves in the world. And I began to realize that nobody really has that from all the adults in their lives, right? They don't have very many safe spaces for that. And the work that I do in my own inner transformation is often looking at the past and having a particularly traumatic adolescence. I was doing a lot of this healing work for myself. So after I took a program, it was a a year-long program called the 12 Angels Graduate Program with Belinda Womack. And through that program, I discovered that this is totally like the evolution of my, my calling as a teacher and a spiritual illuminator to help other people learn how to do this for themselves and to coach them through it. Awesome. So how much do you, do you think that, I think we all have healing to do, but in your experience, how much does, does this hold people back? I think, I think there's sort of a, some people have a sense of, Oh, just get over it. You know, just move beyond that. Oh, that was years ago. You're an adult now. And I think, if we don't hear that from other people, we say it to ourselves like, Oh, you know, I shouldn't be bothered by these things anymore. And, um, and I, you know, and thinking about inner child work, um, I remember I was a, a music educator for a number of years. And when I was in my elementary music class, my preparation class to be an elementary music teacher, our, our, um, our teacher, the professor teaching the class said, by the time these children get to you, they're already damaged goods. And it was really kind of sad to hear that. But the reality was that so many, so many kids don't get the love and support that they need in the household. Um, And parents do the best they can with what they have. But, you know, and she would often say, you know, if a, if a little child were able to stand in the middle of the room and say, here's what I need, you know, then the adults in in their life could, could do that. And I think even as teenagers, if we were even taught to ask for what we need, um, but that's not the world we live in. Right. And, and I think, um, so in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to, to ask you is how much does this not being healed, our inner child, our inner teenager, how much does it affect people? Like, what do you, how do you see it? Um, in the work you do and and just sort of in being in the world? That's an awesome question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it can affect people in a lot of different aspects of their lives. The core of it is that oftentimes as an adolescent or a preteen or a teenager, people learn that what they really feel is their calling or who they really feel they are is unsafe. 
So all of the messages that we get, you know, um, if we are a caterpillar and we go into our chrysalis and adolescence is our chrysalis, the world is poking holes in our chrysalis. And the butterfly that we end up being is a little different than who we set out to be or who we truly are inside. So a lot of times people pursue careers that are completely unfulfilling to them. Um, they pursue friendships that they think they should have, but are really unfulfilling and boring and they feel unsafe being their true selves with those friends. Um, sometimes people pursue relationships that are you know, deemed safe by society, but you know, it's not really what, what makes your heart sing. So getting really specific, it's sort of like a job you hate or friends that are just not really your friends. Like they're just, you don't really mesh with them that well. Um, constant feeling of discomfort because you can't be your true self in so many situations of your life. And a lot of times people don't take the time or don't realize they need to take the time to actually do that exploration and to go back and do this healing so that you can be totally free to be yourself and feel amazing doing it. So I think it affects so many aspects of our lives and we just don't realize it because we've been conditioned to believe that this is how life is supposed to be lived. But, you know, that's a little bit like kind of hell on earth if you're constantly put in this prison of our own making. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I can, I think of so many adults I've known and know, um, you know, like even my own father who, um, he passed away 10 years ago, um, but was very, very stoic and provided well for his family um, worked really, really hard um, at a job that I don't know that he necessarily loved. He was good at it. He worked as a surveyor for the state highway department, um, ran a pretty tight ship at home. Um, and, and he and I were sort of um, at odds with one another because I was this sort of artistic, creative, free spirit. And he was this hardworking, you know, salt of the earth kind of man. Um, and I loved, I loved him fiercely, but didn't know how to relate to him. And, you know, as, as his life was ending and he was passing away and, and, you know, going through all those things, I, I remember asking myself, I wonder what dad's favorite color was. I don't know if I ever knew that. I don't know if I knew, you know, and it's amazing because he did, he did cross stitch and needlework. So this burly man was doing needlepoint and all of these things. And he did beautiful work and he allowed himself that, um, that was his sort of his creative outlet. But I often wondered if there was more, more there. And, you know, was born in 1938, you know, uh, a child during World War II, or, you know, parents that were not super wealthy, um, spoke only German when he first went to high to school in first grade and had to learn to speak English. And so there's so many kind of things about his childhood that I think were never really healed. And he probably didn't know that that was even possible. And I see so many people who are in that, in that world and it just breaks my heart 
because I don't think, like, I really want to be somebody who practices radical acceptance of myself and others. And I want to be the type of person who says, if you're a man and you want to wear high-heeled shoes, just you do it, you know? Or if you want to, you know, if you want to have purple hair, have purple hair. And, you know, we hold ourselves back so much because I think it's, there's a lot of fear in being who, who we're supposed to be. Um, and I, and I just really um, amazed that you're doing this work. And I think it's really unique in the world. I, I, do you know other people who are doing this work or is it sort of, cause I've never heard about it before. So. <laughs> I don't, I, I do know um, a few people who work with the inner child. I think right. that's pretty important work and um, a little bit more, prevalent but I think that oftentimes because we all buy into this belief that oh it's just your adolescence that's how it is we all go through it it's you know really difficult and challenging but you know that's it and so nobody really looks at this time frame and you know ask any middle school teacher they know what it's like right 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 it's hard and and these kids need support and And we all needed support at that time. So imagine being able to go back and give it to yourself and free yourself from the fears that hold you back in things like self-expression or really pursuing a career that you love or, you know, just enjoying your life. Like, do you connect with fun? I know you do because you talk about it in your podcast, but a lot of other adults they don't know how to have fun. They don't know what they find fun. Right. And that's another way that you can connect with it. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the work of Brene Brown, um, who you probably have come across in your, in your work. And she talks about wholehearted living. And one of the things she identified um, is that people who live wholeheartedly have a really solid relationship with play. Like play is essential. And, um, and I sometimes think I play too much, right? And I don't know that that's possible. Um, so how do you, how do you introduce things like that? Say, say a client comes to you and they're totally adverse to that. Like, how would you, uh, give me an idea of how you might work with somebody to, to help them engage with that, yeah. that part of themselves? Well, so the, you know, my, my students or my clients, they're, interested in the work. So, so the idea that they're averse to it isn't always, you know, that's not always there. It's more like they're maybe just not aware of it. Okay. Um, so, so what we do is I use a lot of metaphysical and metaphorical tools with chakra colors and you go into your own heart chakra to meet your inner teenager as a guide And then that inner teenager introduces you to different things, different aspects of your teenage experience, of your adolescent experience that are kind of affecting you in that sort of negative butterfly effect way, right? So that they can help you to go back and heal from that moment and empower yourself, right? Call all of your energy and power back that's been tied up in that moment, and then um, re-engage and like, you know, experience that greater freedom. So like 
let's see, as an example, um, okay, so my name is Shane. Do you know very many female Shanes? You're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a problem for me when I was in sixth grade. And I talk about this a little bit in my Instagram uh, stories. I'm doing like a series where I read from my adolescent journals and talk about the healing that goes on. So when I was in sixth grade, I was 11 years old. I was not allowed to shave my legs. I played sports and I walked, talked, acted like most boys of the time. I had a boy's name. So I had this real kind of crisis of identity and I got made fun of a lot for not being able to shave my legs. And I had a boy's name and I acted like a boy, right? So I experienced all of this, you know, constant teasing and being made fun of. And I started to develop a complex that I was too masculine. Um, So I stopped you know, I stopped playing as many sports with boys. I only, you know, engaged in a way that was acceptable for girls. I was finally allowed to shave my legs, but I became less outspoken, you know, because typically in school, boys are a little bit more outspoken than girls. Um, And I started wearing more dresses and doing things that were more girly to the point where eventually I started studying belly dancing, which is awesome in its own right. But I think what initially attracted me was the super feminine nature of belly dancing. And so I had this huge complex that I was just too masculine and it affected so many of my relationships. I, you know, it affected my friendships. It affected relationships that I had with partners. Um, And eventually after I started doing this work and realized that there were specific instances and moments and feelings from my teenage preteen past that were wrapped up, you know, my energy was all wrapped up and concerned in this fear that I was too masculine and working with these tools and doing the healing and letting it go and calling my energy back. You know, it's a, it's a constant, um, cycle it comes in layers and I'm to the point now in my healing of this where I'm super comfortable with who and how I am I stopped shaving my armpits like there's so many aspects of me that I'm okay with and that I love just for being me that I couldn't do that 10 years ago because I was still kind of wrapped up in it interesting interesting so what strikes me is you seem like you were very self-aware as, as an adolescent, like you were journaling. Was that something, was that something that you sort of did on your own to write in your, in your journals and, and. I think it was. So there was, cause I was, I, you know, I shared with you when we first met um, about my adolescence, uh, you know, obviously uh, I'm a gay adult. Um, so I was a gay teenager, um, but lived in Sturgis, South Dakota, a small town of 6,000 people, very uh, ranchers, farmers. Um, and Harleys. <laughs> Harleys now, yeah. We're getting ready for the, the bike rally starts uh, next week or this weekend. Um, so, yeah, so it was sort of a hyper-masculine kind of place. Um, and uh, and my my 
best friendships were with girls. Um, I don't know that I was teased a little bit, but not a whole lot, but there was still that inner struggle, right? Cause I knew I was different than the other boys. I remember in third grade, the boys would go out and they'd play football and the girls were cheerleaders. So I was a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was kind of the first time that I sort of realized that, oh, I didn't like to do the same things boys wanted to do. I didn't like rough and tumble um, kind of play. Um, I went out for uh, t-ball, played one year. It was horrible. Played soccer a few years. Um, and so as an adult, here's how it shows up for me, that, you know. I, I was a music major in college and there was a music major picnic and all of the, the students are going to play volleyball except me. I sat and watched um, because I don't see myself as athletic and I didn't want to make a fool of myself. So I avoid those kinds of things. I avoid going to the gym and working out. I've started to do that, but I've always kind of avoided it because in my head, it's like, Oh, Jerome, you're not athletic. Um, and I feel like I've missed out on parts of, you know, some really fun activities just because I, I don't want to look silly or look foolish. And even like there's a gay softball league, right? I could go play softball with other gay men, but I don't because I still have that kind of, you know, that those hangups. I remember tennis class in college, you know, I thought, I'll take beginning tennis and beginning tennis wasn't really beginning tennis because the people in the class had all played before. And so here I am, you know, trying to serve and, and I just horrific sort of embarrassing situations. And we think in those moments, it feels like we're going to die. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so, um, you feel so naked and, um, and yet I, 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 set up my own survival instincts. Like I journaled a lot and I listened to music a lot and I read a lot. I found ways of escaping. I spent a lot of time alone in my bedroom growing up, um, engaged a little with my family, but not a whole lot, you know, cause there was always this fear. I wouldn't spend any time with my father alone. Cause I was afraid, Oh, he'll know I'm gay, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that sort of covered, you know, colored our whole relationship. Um, And I think as an adult, I've learned to heal some of these things, but um, it's just, it's so interesting that so many, I think so many people have similar stories and um, what advice would you give to listeners who are maybe hearing this and sort of understanding, oh, wait, you know, that's why I am the way I am. Cause I think even the people who seem the most adjusted in their adolescence probably weren't. And even the bullies, they were bullies for a reason, right? Absolutely. So, if, so listeners listening to this and they're thinking back to their own adolescence, what, where do they start? What's the, the, the advice you would give them to sort of heal that place in themselves? Well, the first thing is feeling and validating your feelings. Because as an adolescent, as a preteen and a teenager, everything that you feel is so elevated, 
right? Because of your bodily changes that are going on, all of the hormone imbalances and rebalancing. So everything that you're experiencing from an adult point of view feels like a drama session. Mm -hmm. Actually, in the moment, every one of those feelings and the level to which you feel them is totally valid. So I would say the first step would be to listen and to validate all of those feelings. And you don't have to stay in those feelings, right? Like if you're feeling um, like I felt a lot of shame because of uh, not being able to shave my legs because I was too masculine. But in order for those feelings to be transformed back into love, back into your energy, they have to be validated and recognized first. Mm-hmm. You don't want to stay there. That's like having a pity party. And who's invited to a pity party? Just you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I would say that's definitely step one. Okay. Awesome. Um, so I'm thinking kind of in terms of, uh, I, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. And um, one of the concepts in The Course in Miracles is re- relative to time. And the Course teaches that time is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Einstein said that, right? Einstein said, time and space are a vast illusion, albeit a very um, persistent one, right? Yeah. Uh, and so the Course talks about the holy instant, which is this moment right now, because this is the only moment when our time and God's time intersect. And it also speaks of the atonement. And so we carry around baggage from mistakes we've made in our lives. And the atonement is our ability to go back to that moment and choose differently. And so it seems in some ways that your work maybe is somewhat similar. Like we go back to that moment when we were teased in junior high or middle school and we see, and we are able to, to heal it because time is, time is fluid. There is no such thing as time. So we can go back and be in that moment, make a different choice, maybe give ourselves the love that we were missing, ask, ask for the love that we um, didn't receive and then maybe complete that, that, am I understanding that properly? Is that sort of? So I think you're, you've absolutely got that time is totally an illusion and you absolutely have the ability to live a happy childhood or a happy adolescence today. And in doing that, by going back and healing what needs to be healed, a huge part of that is forgiveness, forgiving yourself, forgiving other people, forgiving the situation, forgiving the creator for putting you in that position in the first place. Right. And it doesn't mean, you know, oftentimes people connect with the idea of forgiveness as it's okay what you did to me, but that's not really what I'm talking about with this. Forgiveness just means that you're no longer willing to carry around all the weight of the energy of that situation. So by transforming it back into love, it frees it and you get to call that energy back to you totally transformed at a much higher vibration and access that for yourself in a different way. Got it. Yeah. Forgiveness is one of those sticky sp- spots, right? <laughs> so um, uh, there's a pastor, Nadia Bowles Weber or Nadia Weber Bowles. I can never remember her name. She has a really great YouTube video where she talks about 
about forgiveness. And it's basically what you did was so horrible that I'm, I'm breaking the chain. I will no longer be at the effect of what you did to me. And, um, and I think that's super, super powerful. And I think forgiving ourselves is important too, because I think we do carry around um, a lot of, a lot of shame and, and embarrassment of things that happen to us. So um, to be able to kind of go back in, in time and, um, and heal those, those wounds from a place of forgiveness, I think is, is um, really powerful. And you mentioned love, which I think is really, uh, that's what this whole podcast is about. I think living authentically and living your most brilliant life is to live from a place of love. And the Course in Miracles, um, I love the opening of the Course, uh, the, the introduction, and it says, um, this is a Course in Miracles, it's a required course. Um, free will doesn't mean that you can determine the curriculum, you can just decide what you want to learn when. And then it says, um, this Course does not aim to teach the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does, however, aim to remove any barriers you have to love's existence, and love is your natural birthright. And then it says, um, the opposite of love is fear, but that which is all-encompassing can have no opposite. And that says, so the course can be summed up very simply like this. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. So on a metaphysical level, and I love that your work is metaphysical and you're working with chakras and all these things. Um, on a metaphysical level, the only thing that exists in any given situation was the love that was there. So in those moments when we were teased by bullies or whatever, that wasn't real. It was real on this physical plane because we exist on this physical plane, but we can go back and say, okay, that was, someone was acting lovelessly in that moment. And that, that's not who I am because I'm a being of love. And so, although on the, on the physical level in that moment, it was really painful. In reality, it was an illusion. Mm -hmm. It didn't really happen. Um, which I think for some people it's hard to wrap your brain around. Um, but I think there's a lot of power in saying I can access, I can go back to that moment and what I can access is that is the love that was in me and to realize in that moment, the person who was the bully and who was teasing me, how sad for them. They didn't realize that they were loved too. Yeah. Um, and um, so um just your thoughts on that. You were nodding yeah. with, in recognition. Yeah, I was well, talking about it. So. so one of the things that my mentor, Belinda Womack, teaches is that fear is just the lowest vibration of love. So every, every human's job on the planet is to bring love where love has been missing or to raise the vibration of that into the highest form of love, right? Right. So... So yeah, so in the moment, the bully, you know, every human acts in the way that they need in the moment. Mm -hmm. And whether or not they realize that they're in a lower vibration of love, that's okay, because we can always go back and raise the vibration of the whole thing. 
you know, a lot of the tools that I use are mm, kind of like fun superhero tools. Like sometimes we ride dragons, sometimes we use swords, sometimes we blow things up in violet fire, you know, violet, your crown chakra. It's also the color of forgiveness. So all of those are just tools of love, which allow you to, to raise that vibration of the love or the fear, you know, the lower vibration of it. Right. Where you were experiencing it in that moment. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, um, it's interesting to think of fear as a lower vibration of love. Uh, the course would say that fear is an illusion and fear isn't even real. Um, and, and it likens it to um, fear is to, to love as dark is to light, right? Darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. Yeah. However, I do like this notion of fear being maybe a lower vibration because it's hard. F- I understand it, but as I'm talking with people, it's hard for them to understand fear is not real because I feel it. Like oh, when I'm in a fear-based sure. place, I feel it. So it's not, it maybe isn't real, but the effects of it are real. Um, and so just to think about raising that vibration to a different level, you know, like it's the starting point and let's just go to a different place. Um, so let me ask you this question. I, one of my uh, experiences in spiritual development was Landmark Forum. And um, one of the things you do in Landmark is you complete things. So you have completion with people. So um, during my land, Landmark um, experience, I completed some things with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was a conversation where I would say, and some things around my adolescence, too, I would say, Mom, do you remember the times when I would be in an argument with, with Dad about something, and you would say to me, why can't you just let him be right? And he wasn't right, you know, but you were trying to keep the peace, and she said, yeah, yeah I remember. I said that often. And I'm like, that wasn't cool with me. And I just want you to know I'm over it now. I've completed that with you, but I need you to know how that made me feel. Yeah. You know, and so having that completion. So in working with um, your, your clients or this adolescence, is there any, how do you complete things? Do I, do, would I actually have a conversation with a bully and say, hey, do you remember back when we were in, and you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So how would you? Well, so you don't, I mean, if you want to, you can always have those conversations, but the energy work that we're doing means that you don't necessarily have to. And I think that oftentimes you don't feel the need to, after you do this work, it doesn't mean that you can't or that you won't. That's certainly your choice. Um, And I would say that just kind of looking back on it from what you were saying is that you as a teenager, you know, teenagers are super courageous Joan of Arc figures, right? They fight for what's right, fight for the truth, and can't stand the liars. And that feels like what was going on at the time with your dad. But your mom was in a place of, oh, my God, this is so scary. Please stop. And she mm-hmm. couldn't she couldn't handle it. And instead of, like, nurturing that in you it was kind of smothering it in you. Right. So accessing that fearlessness and truth seeking of your inner teenager, I think is awesome. And having the conversation with your mom is cool because, you know, you're 
I think it provides you with lots of closure for that. Mm-hmm. So I think. Well, and I was, and during this landmark forum too, it was after my father had passed away, but I was able to complete things with my dad. But I wrote him a letter and then went out to the park and read it aloud. And, and that was really good. It was really powerful. But um, what I've discovered also recently is I, I'm an indigo child. And I don't know if you're familiar with that concept. Are you? Yeah, I've read a little bit about it. Yeah. So I, also, so I, I know now that I, you know, indigo children are, were born into this time period to bring about a higher vibration and to kind of usher the world into new thoughts. And, and, um, and so I think even as a young, a young man, as a young boy, that was really um, important to me. And, and the, the squabbles my father and I would have were about silly things. They were really minuscule, you know, like might've been a, something I read in a book and he disagreed and be like, no, but it's, you know, and my mom would be like, just drop it, you know? Um, and, I, and I have to laugh now because I read the course and the course says, you can have a grievance or you can have a miracle, but you can't have them both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? And so in those situations, for me, it was like so important to be right. And, and I have grown p- uh, past those things. Um, and there were probably other things too where fa- my dad and I didn't really... I remember some sort of knockdown drag out arguments about things like um, military service and the draft. Cause I was 18 and I had to sign up for the draft and I was sort of a conscientious objector. Like I, I, you know, during the time it was desert storm and I'm like, I won't go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause that's, I just cannot go and shoot somebody else whose government has also told them that they need to be there. And my dad couldn't really understand that part of me. And, um, and so we'd have some really intense conversations around that. And it was um, difficult because I, I wanted him to see me and, 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 and we just couldn't, you know, I could understand where he was coming from, you know, in terms of, you know, supporting the government and being, you know, he was such a patriot. I got that, you know, um, and so there was just all of those those kinds of um, turmoil and, and things. Um, and, you know, I got through it and, uh, you know, um, and uh, on the other side of it have been able now to, to, to sort of get that healing. But um, just, I, you know, and again, the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is because when you were, when we were talking about just, two minutes of conversation. I was like, wow, I, I can see how, how it's just so important for so many people to, to do this work and how easily we avoid it because it's, um, we have to bring it up so it can be released. Right. So you have to kind of relive it for a moment. Um, but it sounds like um, the work you do um it's really beneficial because like you were saying, don't stay in the muck too long, mm-hmm. go back, go back there. And um, so could you give us like a, just a brief example of an exercise that somebody might do? Like, so if a listener were, um, is that something that you, yeah. you could do, do for us? Okay. Awesome. Um, 
Let me think about that for a second. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do is access our joy. Okay. Um, because, you know, this work, it doesn't have to be a total energy drain and a drag, right? It's like, it can be, it can actually be really fun and empowering. And the goal, the ultimate goal of it is to bring more heaven on earth, is to live in a higher vibration of love. So we'll do, we'll do like a little guided visualization. Okay. Just access some joy. Perfect. So, okay. So we're going to close our eyes and take a deep breath in and a slow breath out. And in front of you appears a purple or a violet colored door. And if you don't visualize, it's okay. This works with your intention. So you're going to walk through that purple door. And when you walk through, you are in the most brilliant, vibrant, emerald green meadow that you have ever seen. And this is actually your heart chakra. Go ahead and take your shoes off. Feel the grass between your toes. Lift your face and feel the warmth and the light of the central sun in a sky that's clear blue. And just soak it in for a minute. You feel a tap on your left shoulder. And when you turn around, you see an adolescent version of yourself. Go ahead and give that inner teenager a hug. And this could be any age adolescent, probably nine all the way up through your early 20s. And your inner teenager has two golden goblets, both filled a ruby pink delicious beverage this is the energy of the divine mother and of your root chakra for me this often tastes like strawberry lemonade but it might taste like chocolate for you go ahead and drink in that ruby energy let it fill your entire body every cell, every molecule, every atom, and all of the spaces between your atoms.
and then ask your inner teenager, what is one fun thing we would like to do today? We might hear the answer or feel or see it. Whatever it is, trust that answer. One fun thing that you want to do today. And once you have your answer, come back and open your eyes. And you get to go on that adventure. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. What did you hear? Oh, uh, well, so I, I can't, can't do it today, but I, I roller skating. <laughs> I got. And I was. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and I'm thinking like, as I was doing this and the memories I have are just of the music I loved. As, a, as an adolescent, because that was my escape. You know, I spent so much time by myself listening to the Go-Go's and Sheena Easton and, and Cyndi Lauper and Duran Duran. And I mean, I, and I still have all of the vinyl, right? So I think today after I, after we finish that conversation, um, I'm going to dig out that vinyl and listen to some of it <clears throat> because I think it's really great. So, <laughs> well, um, I want to thank you so much for, um, just for your insights. And um, I think I could talk to you probably for three hours. <laughs> um, and I love, I mean, I love that this work is so, uh, you know, the, the um, meditation, you know, talking about the divine mother and the chakras and, and um, just, you know, all of that spirituality. Cause I think that's, that's at the heart of all of this, right. Um, that we aren't of this world. And that's why we have difficulty as adolescents and as children is because this we're, we're not of this world. We're of a different place. And you talked about this work and bringing joy is to have more heaven on earth. And so, um, so thank you for doing this work and for being a beacon of that joy um, because it's so, it is so powerful. So to, to wrap up, I just want to ask you some Kind of popcorn questions. You're going to fill in the blank, okay? okay. I stole these from Oprah, so I'm going to pretend <laughs> I'm Oprah. The world needs what? Love. Great. I believe in? Love. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in magic. Awesome. Magic. Love. Yeah, yeah. Love is what? Love is the root of everything. Right. I am grateful for. I am grateful for. Well, I'm grateful for the work that I get to do. And I'm grateful for my family. Awesome. What is the soul? What is the soul? Yeah. How would you define the soul? The soul is an expression of God on earth. Awesome. Awesome. Really profound. Really profound. Thank you so much, Shane. Thank you. Tell the listeners one more time. <laughs> Tell the listeners one more time how they can find you and connect with you. Sure. So Instagram at Shane Braverman 
or my website is just www.shanelbraverman.com. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. To wrap up, I just want to share a, a quick little poem from a book called Seasons of Your Heart. And um, this is by Macrina Viedeker, who is a, a Benedictine sister. Um, I've been reading from this book for years. It's just beautiful. Um, so this is our kind of our final reflection. I am touched to the core with a presence I cannot explain. A loving plan enfolds me. Someone is always believing in me, calling me forth, calling me on. I am standing in grace, filled with mystery, touched with the eternal. I cannot get away from this goodness. I think we name you God. You surround me like a gentle breeze. My idols live on in my life. My inconsistent values stay. My immaturity walks beside me. My imperfection is ever before me. Your love for me stays the same. I tremble in the face of such graciousness. Your reverence for me astounds me. You breathe out hope. And I catch on. Thank you so much for being here, Shane. Thanks for listening. Find, yeah, let's all find a way to celebrate our inner teenager today. Oh, yeah. Dance party. (laughs)